welcome to another episode of Bringing Design Closer. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm a service designer and the founder of This Is ATD and the CEO of ThisIsDoing.com where we provide live online design and innovation classes providing training for people within the design and change making space. We also have our new Doing Design Festival series with the next event on June the 18th with the theme of Doing Design Online which is something very much applicable to the world that we're in at the moment. So for more information, see the doingdesignfestival.com. Today in the show, we have Shane Waring from Dublin City Council and founder of Dublin City Beta. Myself, as a local to Dublin, I'm really excited about this wonderful initiative that is focused on making Dublin City more livable through service experimentation. We speak with Shane about the process behind the scenes of what makes this initiative different to typical initiatives, say, in normal councils or governments. We learn more around the background to some of Shane's work and go deeper into what the benefits are for councils to approach this mindset of rapid service experimentation. Let's get into it. Shane, how's it going? How are you? I'm good, Jerry. How's things? I'm not so bad. It's kind of a pretty cold day in Dublin, which I, I don't like too much. I'm excited to speak with you. I've been speaking with you for, it seems like, a couple of years, trying to get you on this podcast to talk about the wonderful work that you do. But maybe let's start off, Shane. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do at Dublin City Council. I started in Dublin City Council back in 2001. So just after kind of finishing college, did a bit of traveling, usual kind of thing, and then started in 2001. And I was based in our city architects, um, so I studied art, um, architecture in university. And so I worked there for years, and then I took a career break. And during that time, I worked in a private architect's office, ecological architecture. And I also, with two other lads, set up GoCar Car Sharing. Oh, yeah, GoCar. Yeah, it was, it was Ireland's first car sharing company. And it still is the first one. Still is the first one. <laughs> There's a second operator now in Ireland, which is actually great to see. Yeah. In many ways, actually having a second operator is good for both of them because lots of reasons. But then I went back to the city council and I was in city architects. And then I, a few years later, was seconded onto a project called Designing Dublin. Mm-hmm. And basically it was a transdisciplinary team members from the council, other people from outside, and we used various design thinking methods to to basically take a different approach, how to explore what kind of people wanted for their city. Yeah. And also to explore maybe different solutions and so on. Yeah. And then I went back to the council again. <laughs> and out of kind of all those different experiences, including my experience working in City Architects, um, I realized that as a city and as an organization, we need a better way to introduce change. So the name of the the sort of section of Dublin City Council that, that you've founded and, and lead is called Dublin City Beta. And when I returned from Australia, I, I heard about this thing. I was like, you know, this, this kind of breakaway, new way of thinking for a city to, to sort of reimagine what it might be like in the future. Is that a fair kind of assumption of what Dublin City, City Beta is based on? Or how, do you, how would you describe it? Well, okay, I'll give you... What's the phrase? I didn't have time to write a short letter, so I'll write you a long one. Where it came from was, I live in the city centre in Dublin, mm. and I want to I wanted to stay living in the city centre even after we had kids. And whereas actually often people have kids and they they immediately kind of assume 
they need to move out, out of the city. And so for that, I kind of I reckoned we needed a better way to improve the city much, much faster. Hmm. Because a kid's childhood is over in 10 years. So that was what gave me my driving force to set it up. Hmm. It is also still, I guess, in many ways, my still my driving force. How can we, how can, you know, we, or how can I improve the city that my two kids live in uh, much more rapidly? So the, the work that Beta does encompasses lots of the stuff that a typical council might be responsible for, such as roads and management and waste management and lots of, lots of areas, everything that encompasses a typical council structure. And I know some of the work that you've been doing and have been involved in since Beta's inception, but how does this differ typically to say, what an organization like a council might typically just do? Well, a phrase I like to say is, I want us to have a way to think big, start small, and move much faster. So how can we think about the Dublin of 100 years' time? So the World Health Organization has said that kids born since 2015 shall start to live to be about 100 in the Western mm. world. Or I'm sure there's lots of terms, conditions with that. But Equally, a childhood is over very rapidly. How can we think about the Dublin of 100 years' time, but actually seek to start to improve it within the next few weeks, really, really rapidly? Like, and how can we, you know, move much faster? How can we, you know, start learning much faster? And how can we start delivering much faster? Yeah. So I guess traditionally the organisation would, I guess, traditionally use a much more of a, like what's called like a waterfall approach. Yeah. So you try it and think everything out and perfect everything and then roll it out or deliver it. Mm. Whereas what I seek to do is try to get us as an organization to start small. So I, t I tend to say, if we were to do this in two weeks' time, what could we do? Yeah. And that just as a mindset starts to change if you would think. Yeah. Well, I often say, as organizations in Ireland, or maybe people in general, people are quite good at thinking in the, media ter in the me uh, medium term. Mm. So maybe think people kind of think about five or ten years' time. People struggle to think about what they're going to do in two weeks' time and struggle to think about 100 years' time. They struggle to think on those two different scales. Okay. I know one of the initiatives that Bait has been involved in is, is one of my children's favorites. And it was one of the reasons why I think we originally connected uh, all those years ago when I returned from Australia. And it was the Dublin City Canvas. Talk to me a little bit around where this idea came from and maybe describe it for our listeners as well. So that came. So when I was setting up VCC Beta, I was on the lookout. The way I wanted to develop it was I wanted to figure out what did we need as an innovation ecosystem? What did we need internally as an organization? What do we need to solve to enable us to do projects? And the way I wanted to do that was to try and actually deliver a project and use that project to figure out what kind of blockages did I create and what kind of, what were the friction points and so on, hmm. and, and then try to solve those. So the first project that I started with was one that you're, you're referring to. So every time you see a traffic light somewhere in the city, somewhere nearby it, you will see a big gray box, and that basically is the control center for that traffic light. Okay. And they, they're big, basically big blank space. And so often they get graffitied and tagged, stickered and so on. So as a city council, we had basically 
two solutions for you know or two ways to approach that either we can keep repainting them gray regularly or we can just leave them yeah so either we can keep spending money and resources and keep repainting them gray or we can just let them sit and start to look probably people often find them quite ugly yeah so that first project was looking at if we let ourselves get out of the way and a piece of art on that box um would would the boxes look better and would it solve a maintenance issue as well mm. perhaps people would wouldn't tag them tag yeah. them and so on so that was really trialed on 11 boxes cost a thousand quid a thousand to 11 1100 uh, euros was it exactly yeah 1100 yeah. euro and it was in place for 18 months so after about six months we knew it seemed to have worked and we left it in place for a further 12 months to see literally just see how long would paint yeah. fast. can i just stop you there i want to say when you've seen that it worked what were the kind of criteria and the metrics that were used to kind of say well that works or was there anything as kind of scientific behind that like was it just a case of yeah it looks good it's working yeah so beta products are split across three different stages first stage is a concept stage trial then a scaling stage and then a local stage so that starts off as a concept so as a concept you're trying to decide if something seems to be a good idea so is painting art on a box does that seem to be a good idea mm. for that you're looking at things like well what's the perception of people about the thing that could be local residents or it could be local businesses it could be tourists and so on okay it's also things like negative interactions so did the did it solve what it was hoping to solve did it reduce either people tagging those boxes mm-hmm. or did it re- reduce us feeling the need to repaint the box yeah so even if you has even even if some some small amounts of small levels of graffiti still appeared maybe it didn't matter yeah like so the amount of let maintenance that we had to do in those boxes during that time also you can then just tap into some expert opinions so for example we would have public domain officers we'd have officers who are in charge of a particular area of the city what do they feel? Do they feel it solved the issue? Do they feel residents liked it or not? Just from generally going about their day to day and from what they see. So they are literally out in the streets a lot. So those sorts of things. So there was photographs taken of all the boxes before and during, and then all concept stage trials get removed at the end. Yeah. And that's done for various reasons. Mm. But so again, you could see after, at the end of that trial, the 11 boxes were repainted gray. Oh, after, the 11, after the 18 months so they returned back and you could see the issue reappeared within two months again okay on the boxes that's interesting you returned it back to its original state and then me- monitored it yes and to give people uh, listening here like some examples of what i'm talking about here like so, some of them are really creative we've got an rtd2 i'm hoping i'm saying that right. some star wars fans are probably you've got it wrong jerry or two d2 or two d2 yeah okay fair enough i'm not not a, not a star wars <laughs> fan I, i've watched them and i appreciate them but i'm not i'm not a star wars geek but there's one of those locally to me as well which always gets the the kids kind of like look daddy it's a it's a robot i'm like well technically it's not a robot it's an android but we won't get into that and then there's another one <laughs> I don't know who he was. He's a politician. The other one is like a fox that that's really beautifully designed. It's like a, and it says you know the importance of watching when you're crossing the road and listening and all that kind of stuff. So it, it, they're not just painted with you know murals and stuff. Some of them probably are, but they're really creative and they provide canvas and a platform for local artists to showcase their talents. I think that's how 
my understanding is of it. Is, is that fair to say, Shane? Yeah. In, in general, they're open to anyone in the community. So someday, for example, I'm hoping to paint one myself. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, I just wait a couple of years until I have a bit more time when the kids are a bit more grown yeah. up. But so in theory, it's open to anyone. And the one of the things, when you think of a traffic light, often a traffic light is near a pedestrian crossing or something mm. like that. So actually, quite often they are beside where a pedestrian crossing is. So people are standing there waiting for, for you know, and then there's something to cross the road. So, or perhaps people are waiting in their car near the, the traffic mm. light. And so often they're actually quite visible. Did you ever get any brands asking, not brands, but like businesses, yeah, like kind of use it? Time, as, yeah. Really? Yeah. So, how, yeah. how do you manage that? Because that's, that's interesting. You might get a local shop saying, well, I'd like to do it. And the bottom, sponsored by Centra or something like that. So at the start, the decision is, that's not what it's about. It's okay. not advertising. It's about adding little sparks of joy around the city. And I mean, in theory, you could probably have a sponsor of the overall platform of the Dublin Canvas platform but we haven't gone down that line, that line yet and we at the moment we don't feel a need to it, it can actually just exist for its own sake the okay. that that was the first project and by doing that i learned an awful lot about how to deliver a project so for example that needed 1100 euro which is a really really small amount of money but when you're looking for it how do you get it yeah and when you are looking for small amounts of money Immediately, then, for example, a manager naturally enough will start saying, "Well, what is this for? And how you know? Do you have all the right permissions? And have you asked those people? And have you asked those people?" And so, from an innovation ecosystem perspective, even simple things like that can actually start to slow down projects. Mm. But that project was the first project, and it hugely helped develop the DC beta concept. Yeah, and it has actually since now. So, the Dublin region is split into four local authorities. And it has actually spread to all four. Okay. So I think it's now at something like 500 boxes. Okay. It's, it's amazing. Like, cause for people aren't, who aren't familiar with Dublin, like there's people within the, the kind of CBD or the central, you know, sort of business district in is, is run by Dublin city council. And then there's lots of other councils that kind of intersect with it, like Fingal County, Dunleary Rathdown is another one. And South Dublin. And South Dublin as well. So, that's why when you drive around the city in Dublin, you see all these wonderful boxes. It's it's called Dublin City Canvas. Is that right? Dublin Canvas. Dublin, Dublin Canvas. canvas. Uh, how do they? How do people find out more about that? I want to click on it and have a look. So DublinCanvas.com, I guess, would be the best place to see something about it, or in general to see any of the beta projects. They can see DCC Beta. Yeah, we'll put a link in that one in, into the show notes. Yeah. So Shane, what does it look like in terms of scaling beta? Like, well, what's your vision for the future? Is is it something that for Dublin City Council to look at and learn about new ways of working and new ways of incorporating and thinking about ideas. Walk me through what does that look like in in your mind? What the future might be? Yeah. So I guess the key metric for me is have we improved the livability of Dublin City and really rapidly? That's the key metric. How to get to that? I mean, Beta doesn't really talk about it, but all projects are design-led and evidence-based so it doesn't really talk about that because it's a little bit technical but in a way um from people's perspectives i prefer just to, for them to see projects that they seem to like and agree with and subtly subtly just get them used to better projects being carried out a certain way so for example every trial will always have a sign on telling them that it's a trial and seeking feedback and um, all concept stage trials will always be removed they are always reversed 
at the end of them. Hmm. There's always a report produced at the end. Projects always follow a certain couple of steps. So without going into it too much with the public, it's, if I prefer to kind of just, just subtly do that each time and hmm. they will just get used to, they begin to just trust it as a brand. Yeah. I sort of see it as a Trojan mouse. So I like that. A Trojan mouse. Yeah. <laughs> She's starting off really small. I mean, I began this as 10% of my week. Yeah. When I began this in City Artex, it was 10% of my week. And it's now my full-time role. And I've changed sections within the city council. But so it began as a Trojan mouse and it wasn't originally about trying to make us a design-led organization and mm. so on. It was about the projects themselves. The focus was on the projects and then the back end is hopefully a certain amount of culture change. Yeah. And so I began this nine years ago, which blows my mind a little bit to think about it. But <laughs> so I began it nine years ago and I can even see a, what's a phrase, a sea change in how yeah. we even think about trialing and evidence and so on as a city. Yeah. So nine years ago, this was, beta was sort of a bit crazy nine years ago mm. whereas now it actually seems fairly fairly normal yeah and part of that is just from being subtly there in the background just getting just that culture change in the background and because of covid for example at the moment there's all sorts of pop-up solutions and so on happening in the city and i think that's an entirely different culture and mindset from where we were nine years ago yeah the way i see it and you correct me if i'm wrong is it's very much like an experimentation piece within a, a design process. So like they're, they're prototypes, service prototypes for the city to experiment what works and, you know, is there a desirability and much is it going to cost? Is this a better way of doing things? And it's wonderful to see that. Like, and that's something why I'm so passionate about Dublin city council. And it's, you know, one of the reasons why I was so keen to speak to you because a lot of councils around the world tend to just stick to what's safe and what's kind of they're afraid of risk and experimentation so when i saw this when i returned from australia i was like this is brilliant like all these super initiatives and we actually collaborated on on one initiative maybe i don't know maybe it's a year or two ago was, i'm trying to think of old my baby is now because it was around that time two <laughs> years ago you know when i returned I, I noticed there was loads of people cycling and it's it's brilliant to see like dublin when i was growing up it wasn't really that safe to cycle in the city and there was a number of times where uh, a wonderful police force pulled me over and gave me wraps on the knuckles for for cycling kind of recklessly through the city i'm like but it wasn't recklessly i was cycling in in what should have been a bike lane one of the problems that i had as a student i was living in small houses at the time storing my bike and i had nowhere to store it and wherever i rented i, I usually would get the landlord given out to me for for putting my bike in the hole or damaging the whole wallpaper and stuff. So whenever we spoke about this idea called bike bunkers, it was something I was like, Hey, this, this is, this could be something that would be really interesting. So maybe tell the listeners a little bit about bike bunkers as a project and where the idea and the project came from. I think to be honest, Jerry, when you were cycling down the road with the, the police pulling you over, you were doing wheelies, weren't you? Do you know what? As I was saying, with your cap on sideways, one of the, one of the times I was cycling <laughs> through Temple Bar, and I was like, okay, fair enough, that's that's justified. But the other time was just cycling down Dame Street in the, in the middle of the city, and they were like, they just didn't like to look me. That's mm. what I said. I wouldn't blame them though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Point point made. Point taken on board. But maybe talk to me a little bit more around bike bunkers. So 
again, part of this was one of the previous projects was was the Dublin Canvas project. It was about art on boxes and so on. I was partly on the lookout for a project that I could explore that was much more, perhaps much more serious, for want of a better phrase, or much more perhaps um, would link with an, one of our more, more engineering-led departments. Mm-hmm. So at the time, I was living in a, what you'd call a two-up-two-down house, like one of those old terraced houses, and I had the, that issue that you're describing myself. Mm-hmm. So my bike would lean against the wall just inside the front door. It's in your way. You fall over it every time you're trying to get in the door or out the <laughs> door. It marks the walls and so on. So your choices are either to leave it there or you leave it out on the public street and lock it to a pole where it's much more likely to get damaged and or stolen. It also gets in the way of people trying to get past. It can often be a trip hazard for uh, people with visual disabilities and so on. Or else you put it out your tiny backyard and so it takes up, you'll have a very limited amount of outdoor space and now it starts to take up a good chunk of it. And also now it starts to get a bit more awkward to ever get back out again and so you cycle less. So on one hand, as a city council, we are trying to encourage people to live in the city centre and we're also trying to encourage cycling. So at the moment, those two things are slightly fighting against each other sometimes. If you live in an apartment, where do you put it? Maybe depending on how modern your apartment block is, it might or might not have somewhere decent to the bike. Also, in various places where people are living, so for example, it sounds a little bit like maybe where you were living, putting it in the stairwell can actually be a fire hazard. People are trying to get out in a, in a fire. and mm. uh, The electricity has gone in your house, it's nighttime, and you have 20 people all trying to get out of a single door, and you've all these bikes in the way. Mm-hmm. So that project was one bike hanger. So a bike hanger is, I guess you'd call it like a metal box. They're kind of a, if you look them side on, they're semicircle. Mm-hmm. And the uh, lid lifts on them, and you—it's it's like a shared space inside. So maybe six bikes go inside it, and there's a bike rack inside, and you lock up your bike inside, and then you l- put the lid back down, and you lock the lid as well. It's just like doubly protected. It's out of the weather. It's extra secure, and so on. Yeah. So the bike, that bike hanger project was one of those was trialed on the street for about five months, cost four and a half thousand euro, and again was measured. Again, six residents nearby all took part, gave us their feedback, and so on. Yeah. And that project is now getting scaled up under the brand or under the name Bike Bunkers. Yeah. And that has now, at the moment, that's going through a tender to enable us to buy a large, a really large quantity of bike hangers. Great. To roll out across the city. Yeah. But what I really like about this is there's been a need that has been identified. And I know. You mentioned there about your own personal story, and it's something like from a design process. Typically, there's a need identified through through research, as opposed to like that bias of the self identification of the problem. But what I really like about it is it's not just thinking about making Dublin a bike safe and bike city centric city. Of thinking of just putting in the bike lanes and that's it, it's done. It's taking the whole kind of holistic approach of like where do you store the bike? What does the journey look like from beginning to end? Where are they going to be located? How are they administered? How are they serviced? How are they maintained? You know, that was something that we we sort of really took a really hard look at in terms of who's going to be responsible for this within the organization at the moment and having a sponsor to really dedicate their time to maintain this. So walk me through what that looks like. And we're going into a bit more granularity here in terms of organizational structure. 
But I remember when we were working on it, we were like, well, Shane's time is finite and it's not possible for Shane to start a new initiative and then manage it. What does it look like in terms of getting people within Dublin City Council excited about these initiatives and then passing the responsibility on? So embedded products follow three stages. The first stage is concept stage, and that is like, should we do this? Yeah. The second stage is scaling, and that is how can we do it or how should we do it? And the third stage is where should we do it? Bike bunkers start originally was trialed, so that was a concept stage trial, and now it has moved forward into the second stage, so scaling. So it is trying to figure out all that back end, one of the better phrase, business model aspects that you're just discussing there. Mm. So that is things like, well, for a trial of one of them, maybe you don't need planning permission. But if you're going to put out a thousand of them, do you need planning permission? Or do you need mm. other aspects like that? Who is going to fund this? What section is going to run it? Are there any you know, legal issues we need to be looking at? And so on. So also that's the stage. It's at the second stage is when something gets its name or maybe gets a brand. So for example, at the start it was Bike Hanger Beta, and now it's Bike Bunkers. Yeah. So... And one of the reasons for taking those three stages is the second stage of scaling is often a huge chunk of work. There's no point doing all that work until you actually know something seems to be a good idea that actually people want it. Hmm. So take that original trial. I mean, the assumption there was that this was a great idea and people were going to love it and use it and so on. But we could have easily found out that maybe some of those residents put their bike in it and maybe ends up very rarely using it. And they could have said to us, we thought it was going to be a nice idea. So obviously the, the hallways was much handier and I didn't use it. Yeah. But we found they all loved it, and so we've moved on to the scaling stage. Mm. So part of that is like one way of thinking about it would be take our chief executive. Who is it that he should be? What maybe what executive manager should he be asking for an update on that project? Yeah. You know, who's the natural owner for that as a service? And so little questions like that start to help you figure out where this thing should sit within the organization. That's nice. I like that. One of the things that I noticed when we were working together on that on that initiative was the level of communication on social media that you were handling around validation and getting feedback, which I thought was really nice. It's kind of how you'd imagine the corporations and the councils and the governments of the future working. So walk me through around the interactions that you were getting and how you validate these ideas and get the feedback because you, you've got a, a very active and engaged Twitter following that if you put anything up, I'm always blown away by some of the comments and feedbacks that you get so feedback from people is amazing like mm. it's amazing and i don't mean it's amazing as in it's always positive what i mean is it's amazing how people are willing to give you the feedback that you're saying are also willing to maybe tell you of experiences that they've had or solutions that they've seen in other places that they've lived and so on one of the benefits of beta from its inception has been actually that's it's been so lean so for example with me at 10% of my week, it, it, it forced me to, like, I didn't have a huge team, but I could say, okay, let's go research this. Yeah. It forces you to think differently. It forces you to say, actually, let's work as a collective, as a city, and actually discuss this. And so projects might follow a few different stages, even before it's a project. Maybe there's just general conversations for example on social media and there's no commitment there's no project written up on anywhere and you're just learning a little bit in advance then maybe it becomes a project and you might ask people for people are giving you really early feedback but also maybe you're looking for a trial location so you're saying these are the criteria for where the kind of place that we need to trial this mm -hmm. 
Um, and what you're looking for is a, kind of like a Goldilocks location. You know, you don't want somewhere that's like perfect, nor do you want somewhere that has huge issues around the thing that you're trying to solve because actually that'll be, it'd be too difficult, it'd be too hot to try and actually solve. Yeah. So you're trying to pick a Goldilocks location. So you give people those kind of criteria and then people will come back and suggest maybe their street or whatever it is. That works in a couple of different ways. It starts to give you, you know from the start that you're interested. It gives you a way in to trial something somewhere. But also it starts to give you a sense of the level of demand. For example, did everyone maybe only apply within really close to city center or were they all over the whole city? So it starts to give you a sense of how how big, how much demand there is for this potentially as a as a solution. And then people feedback in different ways. There's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. There's comments on the website itself. There's emails. So they feedback in lots of different ways. And I guess you just have to be clear in advance what it is you're trying to learn. So before you even do your trial, you know what your assumptions are and you're trying to either validate those or not. You know? mm. So you, I think you have to interrogate when people give you feedback you maybe have to read it and actually actually properly read it and give them feedback interrogate it ask them why yeah. people might say i don't like that and you ask why and they you know they say they don't like the appearance and so on and so you start to get the underlying issues that maybe you need to explore further as a city yeah shane we're coming towards the end of of this conversation but i just want to ask one or two more things like as regards new initiatives and new ideas is this possible that for people on Twitter and people within Dublin City to suggest new things? Because that's where I, I get really excited about when, when people from the public are able to actually be kind of co-design and they're they're working within the system as well. Walk me through where, where you're at with that. So on the website, there is a suggest link for people to suggest a project. So they fill in various fields in that suggest link. And one of the reasons is for that is that it asks, it spits their suggestion into two parts. It asks them what, what is the problem that they're trying to solve? Because people will often jump, often jump straight ahead to the solution. They give you the solution that they want to see. I want to see bike hangers. No way, really? People do that. <laughs> <laughs> but if you no ask idea. them, you know, if you, if you force them, if you have a box there where you're asking, well, what's the problem that you're actually trying to solve here? It forces them to explain that bit. Actually, often they won't. They just assume that's, that's known, that's understood. That works in a couple of different ways. One is it helps you understand a little bit more what they're trying to solve, but also maybe the solution that they propose isn't, maybe there's lots of reasons why it could be very difficult to do or something or other, but probably the problem that they are mentioning or the opportunity that they're mentioning, probably that's absolutely and utterly valid. And if you look through all the different suggestions, you might see a whole pile of people mentioning the same problem. And maybe a lot of them mention the same solution also. But in some ways, you might have lots of different ways you can solve that same problem. So by splitting it out that way, it's really useful. So people, anyone can make a suggestion, and that same link is what is there for staff or for citizens or mm. for myself. If I think of things, that's where I, myself, add suggestions to myself, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> Do you get feedback from yourself as well? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just a resident. So when I'm doing that, I'm just a, generally I'm just a resident of the city. So... When you're when you're adding one, it's asking who are you? Are you a staff member? Are you a resident? So sometimes I'm doing it just as a resident. Other times I'm doing it as a staff member. I've yeah. seen I've seen something that we should actually be solving as a city council. And every uh, periodically, then they all get prioritised according to there is around thirty criteria that we prioritise them all against. And it takes on average about eight minutes per suggestion. 
Okay. And roughly kind of whatever is up at the top of the list is then what you pick your next project from. So maybe whatever, maybe something like 600 suggestions so far to date. So a lot of them will overlap, but maybe you look at the, lot, the top 20 and you pick what you're going to work on next. Yeah, nice. Shane, is there anything else you want to call out before we, before we wrap up this episode? Is there anything you want to shout out or any kind of initiatives that you're working on you might want to have a shout out to the audience for? So I would love if people know of other initiatives that I could learn from, mm-hmm. um, I would love them to get in touch. Yeah. So beta, beta at dublincity.ie. Great. I'll put that in the show notes. Yep. And I would really, really love to just, I'd love to be able to learn further from other cities around the world. Mm. And I was delighted yesterday, another local authority in Dublin. So Dunmere wrapped down. They have not, yesterday they launched DLR beta. So they are now taking on the same initiative, the same approach. So I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing where That's that goes. Super. That's really positive to see like other councils adopting the the ways of thinking and the ways of approaching these things. So kudos to you, Shane. And before we wrap up, like keep up the great work. I'm a Dublin City resident. I love seeing these initiatives kick off. And um, I know lots of my peers in Dublin as well um, really celebrate the work that you do. So thank you so much for your time and your effort doing that thanks me and jerry and listen thanks me for inviting me on this morning no worries thanks shane so there you have it that's all for this episode of bringing design closer if you like this episode feel free to visit this is where you can access our back catalogue of over 100 episodes with episodes related to service design product management design research and much much more now, if you're interested in design and innovation training, feel free to check out our business, thisisdoing.com, where you can join online classrooms and learn from the world's best design and innovation leaders. Join the This Is Hate City newsletter where you'll receive updates from the network. And also, if you're interested, apply to join the Slack community on thisishatecd.com. Stay safe and until next time, take care.